Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What a week one in college football, what Florida State was able to do against LSU. Matt Baker is going to join us. He has the Seminoles ranked number two in his poll, the only one that matters. Of course, Florida was a bit of a disappointment. USF played better maybe than expected. And then how about the Colorado Buffaloes and Deion Sanders? We've got college football, lots of it to talk about coming up in just a second. But first, uh, I wanted to talk about... Mike Williams and and sort of what went down um, as we're doing this podcast uh, on the evening of uh, Wednesday uh, night. Um, Mike Williams was or is in intensive care at St. Joseph Hospital in Tampa. And having done some reporting on that story today myself, um, things don't look great. I mean, the family could use prayers right about now because um, according to the mother of his child anyway that I spoke with uh, they have done some testing and and it doesn't seem to be um, a whole lot of hope here that uh, that that Dion is going to pull out of this uh, in fact they're talking about shutting off the life support system uh, we'll see if that occurs and just what what ultimately is going to happen here he was injured in a uh, construction accident uh, had a, had a spinal cord injury, was paralyzed from the waist down, um, but had spent a couple days in the hospital and at least according, uh, again to, you know, the mother of his child, um, looked like he was going to be able to be moved to a, to another out of ICU. And, and then something happened and it, it took a turn for the worst, uh, cardiac arrest was involved. And so, at least at this taping, we believe that Mike Williams um, is is still at St. Joe's and still in ICU, and we will update that uh, on TampaBay.com and Tampa Bay Times. Let me just say, you know, there's a lot of people like, well, how how could there be a report? And we picked it up, um, a station in Buffalo, a Spectrum uh, station, which is a reputable company. As you know, we have one here in Tampa. They're all over the United States. A uh, reporter there reported that he had confirmed that Mike Williams uh, had died in, in a uh, construction accident, etc. Um, and at 11.30 at night, without any way of really reaching authorities, be, and, and there are HIPAA laws involved in this too, so they only tell you, they won't really tell you much anyway, um, and not being able to reach any of the family members, you know, it's difficult to do your to do our own reporting. So, so us and a lot of people across the nation just cited that spectrum uh, report because again, you have to consider that they are a, a reputable, this is not TMZ. This is not an organization that goes out on a limb with things. It's a major network. Uh, and it was from Buffalo where he is from. Uh, and he actually played for the bills. So there's a lot of reason to, uh, to believe the report. Um, and again, you never want to be first on something like this and be wrong. Uh, but, but, that's what occurred, at least uh, with that TV station. And then doing our own reporting, we found out very quickly that Mike was, uh, in fact, just across the street. The, the irony of that is not lost on me that here's a guy out of Syracuse, you know, drafted by the Bucks, 2010, a Pepsi Rookie of the Year finalist on offense, uh, is, is, is just a couple of Hail Marys away from, you know, uh, the place that he spent four seasons. And was a very good player and then, and then went on to Buffalo and, 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 um, and, and such. And so, you know, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. And I, I had a chance to talk, um, and, and, and actually see his daughter who's eight years old, just turned eight years old. And the family is devastated as you might expect. But, um, as there is more, we will report more, but that's, that's sort of the thumbnail of what occurred, uh, on Wednesday with respect to, you know, trying to seek more information and, and, uh, 
there's still more to come, but I, I think, you know, again, there's, there's a lot going on and also a lot of restrictions with respect to what the authorities can say about what really happened. The construction accident, people have asked me, like, where was this? It did happen in Tampa. Um, it did not happen in Buffalo or someplace else. It was right here, of course, uh, and that is why it was transported by the Hillsborough Fire Department um, and paramedics uh, to St. Joe's. So uh, prayers for that family and, and uh, for Mike. But, uh, uh, yeah, very, very sad. And, and, and man, it's just it's incredible. Like that team, uh, he came aboard 2010, and you think of the two receivers. The other one was Benson Jackson, right, who uh, died in that hotel room uh, right after the Super Bowl in 2020 uh, after he had disappeared for a while. And, and of course, it was later determined after his brain was sent to uh, up to Boston for examination that he had stage 4 CTE. Um, and, and so that was tragic. Uh, Gino Hayes, who was a member of those teams, uh, died of uh, liver disease, which was, you know, horrible. Um, and then, then you, you know, you just had so many guys that, um, you know, bad things happen to, and it's inexplicable in some, some instances, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's incredible that none of these guys made it to 40 years old. Um, very sad. So, uh, we'll, we'll follow that story wherever, uh, wherever it leads us next. That's for sure. Meanwhile, we're out at uh, the Buccaneers, and of course, they're preparing for their Week One matchup at Minnesota, which will be, uh, I think, a, a very interesting game. The, the Vikings, of course, have lost some pieces uh, on offense. Adam Thielen, uh, of course, Dalvin Cook. Um, so we'll see what uh, they're able to put together. D- difficult place to play, to say the very least. And um, you know, I think uh, first time out for Baker Mayfield, for Dave Canales, Colin plays. So it's going to be really interesting to see if there's an element of surprise there uh, or if the execution is what it should be with the noise that they're going to encounter. But I'm looking forward to going uh, to Minnesota in that beautiful ballpark, U.S. Bank Stadium out there is uh, is, is really uh, first notch. Now, watching the Bucks on Wednesday, uh, notably Antoine Winfield Jr. was back doing some things at practice, and um, Coach Todd Bowles said that it's looking – or at least trending sort of in the right direction for Winfield to play in the opener at Minnesota, which is good because they don't have a ton of safety depth in terms of, you know, experienced safeties. Um, D Delaney and some, you know, obviously Ryan Neal and those guys. But uh, I, I think Winfield's such a big part of this defense that you'd really like to start the season with him. You'd also like to start the season with your first-round pick. And we have not seen Kalijah Kansi uh, since he suffered a calf strain like about the second day of training camp. Uh, did not play in the preseason games, and he is going to be a little more questionable, I think, for Sunday's game. Not saying it's impossible or out of, or has been ruled out, um, but that's one that is is going to bear watching. And, and then, of course, when he does play, uh, he wouldn't have been really doing anything on the football field since the first week of uh, you know training camp. So that's a long time for him. So they're going to have to get contributions from other people as well. But we'll keep you up to date on that on Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. All right, Matt Baker coming up in just a second. But first, you already know it's hurricane season. I mean, we just had one of these things, right? But the good news is you can keep the power on without breaking the bank, and that's with solar battery backup power. Now, there's no fuel cost to run it, no loud generator noise, no annual maintenance cost, and May Electric Solar offers you a 15-year warranty on their solar battery backup. Plus, solar battery backup saves you hundreds of dollars each and every month. If you lose power, a generator can cost over $2,000 a week just to run. Solar battery systems qualify for a 30% tax credit for new systems and for adding a, a battery to your existing Empfise solar system. You can also get that 30% tax credit. Trust the pros in solar. To learn more about May Electric Solar's battery backup or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or you can visit mayelectricsolar.com. Week one of college football is in the books, and my, oh my, it did not disappoint. I'm telling you, we got so much to talk about, of course, with uh, Colorado and their big win at TCU. Uh, Florida, not so good. Let's start, though, Matt, with a game that you were at. And I must admit, I will raise my hand and say, I don't know that Florida State wasn't just a bit overrated when this whole thing started. Mm, Not anymore, folks. Jordan Travis, phenomenal. They take down 
LSU didn't only take them down, they beat them down. Very convincing win. You have them ranked number two in the Matt Baker poll, which is all that matters to us. So you were there. You were there. You were you were you you were soaking in the atmosphere. You were seeing, you know, really two teams full of athletes on that field. They delivered, man. Is this Florida State team is is for real? Yeah, I'm all in, Rick. I'm all in. I, I I said I think last week, and I said it before that I think I thought Florida State's ceiling was college football playoff. Um, I thought they could win the ACC and, and get to the playoff, but that was about as much as an FSU fan could realistically expect. I didn't think they had mm-hmm. the top to bottom depth, and maybe you know uh, couldn't withstand injuries and what have you. But after they scored 31 in a row against an LSU team, by the way, LSU is not bad. No. Um, they have tons of athletes and, you know, we can nitpick their, their coaching, some of their decisions and what have you. But LSU is a good team, minimum, a good team, maybe better than that. And Florida state scored 31 in a row. That second half team, that second half team can win a national championship. I, I mm-hmm. fully believe that. Um, and I asked Kirk Herbstreit that uh, uh, Wednesday on a, on a Zoom uh, with ESPN set up, and he's like, yeah, I bet that can, the team can win a championship. He agreed with me. Um, so it, the, the defense w- was hard-hitting. The offense is fun. It's entertaining. Um, obviously, it's it's versatile. you got a bunch of different players. I mean, Keon Coleman had three touchdown catches. Uh, Jaheim Bell ran for one, rushed for one. The Lions played well enough, and I guess what really impressed me is the way Florida State's run game just dominated the second half. They couldn't do much in the first half, but they wore them down, and that tells me just they've got that strength and the grit and all that stuff, and if they can bottle that up, if Florida State can take that second half and do it you know, against Clemson in a couple weeks, you know, Clemson obviously didn't look good the other night. We can talk more about that. But um, if they can bottle that up against Clemson, bottle that up for the ACC championship against Duke, Pitt, Clemson, whoever it is, and then do that against a Georgia and then a Michigan or Ohio State or whoever it is, if they can play at that level for, for those 12 quarters, they can win a national championship. I, 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 I've seen enough. I saw several things, uh, and and I wouldn't disagree with you that it, it you know look it's it's one game. Let's temper the uh-huh. uh, the enthusiasm a bit. You got to do this eleven, twelve times. Um, however, what was impressive to me, and what is clear to me, is the job that Mike Norvell has done in the transfer portal. Tell me about Keon Coleman. My oh my, this guy caught everything. Huge uh-huh. target. And finally, when you have a great quarterback, it sure helps to have those kind of receivers. Yeah, so the the buzz kind of in the offseason was all about Johnny Wilson, who obviously had a really nice year sure. um, last year coming from Arizona State and had 200 yards in the bowl game. But they brought in Keon Coleman over the summer from Michigan State. He did a good job at Michigan State, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But Mike, you know, from what we saw in the one game, and, and you're, you're right, it was one game, but it, I mean, he's big, he's 6'4", he can run, uh, he can make guys miss, he can go up and get it. He's, good. you know, I said going into the game, I thought he'd be their best receiver, and he's he's more consistent than, than, than Johnny Wilson is. And the big thing, though, is you have not one but two guys like that, right? And then you factor in the tight ends with Jaheim Bell, and Kyle Morlock, the, the tight end from Shorter, had a couple nice catches, and you know, just the backs and what they're able to do there with, uh, you know, uh, Trey Benson had almost a thousand yards last year. Lawrence Toafili, the Pinellas Park uh, mm-hmm. re- recruit, had that big fourth down catch and catch and run. So they've got a bunch of different weapons, and that Mike can use them in a bunch of different ways. And you know, some, couple, you know, of those, I think the only one that he signed um, out of high school was, was Toafili, who actually committed to Willie Taggart and then stuck on with with Norvell. So yeah, he's done a great job through the transfer portal. Maybe as good or better than anybody else in the country. And, you know, you just saw the latest example. I mean, shoot, Jared Verse had some flashes of being a dominant player um, against LSU. And I only say flashes because if you watch the game, LSU ran it away from him. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think they ran it to his side once. I I don't remember, but as I was watching it, I was looking where they were running. They were running it to the opposite side. Then a guy like Braden Fisk, a defensive lineman from Western Michigan, he had a couple of very disruptive plays. And we could go on and on. Tatum Bethune, the former UCF guy, uh, had that just bone-crushing hit on Jaden Daniels. So, 
Mike has done a fantastic job through the transfer portal and, and then adding in the, the traditional recruits and developing them to get to the point where now they've got a roster that when they play up to their potential, as they did in the second half, I think they're going to be, be good enough to hang with anybody. You make a good point because I, I think that, you know, just on paper going into it, you're thinking about the offense. You're, you're you know, you're thinking about um, all the things they could do with Jordan Travis, what he has done. And then it's the defense that basically just clamped down and didn't allow LSU to do anything. Um, and when boy, when you've got when you got both those things working, and of course the offense was able to stay on the field a long time. But that that is how you win a national championship. At some point, they're going to have to stop an elite offense. And yeah, it looks like they could do that. Yeah, I, I think they can because I think LSU's certainly has pieces of sure. that. I mean, uh, Taylor, uh, yeah, Taylor, the um, tight end's really good. Jaden Daniels, I mean, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, he is. May, maybe the best in the SEC or in that conversation. Um, and neighbors, the receiver's really good. So, yeah, and they were able to shut him down in the second half. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. In today's day and age, your defense is going to have to make some stops, and I think we saw enough from Florida State to think that they'll be able to do that. A very impressive first game for them. They are definitely on the radar, of course, rated number two in the Matt Baker poll, which is the only one we really care about. All right, not so good would be the University of Florida. And I have to tell you, Matt, I, you got you got me. I raised my eyebrow because I read this story after that game, and, and we know that we'll talk about a lot of the sort of, I guess you would say, it's, it, it's just the managing of the game. It, it's the operation. The game operation was shoddy. It was bad. Um, two number threes, you know, false starts, illegal formations on third down, all that stuff. But you, you, you mentioned the name Willie Taggart in association with Billy Napier at, at the same point uh, sort of in their tenure there at, at, at big Florida schools. Explain yourself. All right. So this was not a comparison that I came up with. Let's be clear. Uh Um, I was I was sitting down in the uh, the interview room um, waiting for for Billy after the game. And I saw on the the platform formerly known as Twitter, uh, Ralph (laughs) Russo of the Associated Press took a screenshot that Taggart and Billy Napier were both trending. So people were making that comparison on Twitter. And I'm thinking, you know what? Let's see if there's something there. And I start doing a little bit of looking. And through 14 games, they were both 6-8. and eight. Neither one had beaten a rival. They had one ranked win. Each one did. And I'm thinking, all right, I need to look at this. And, you know, in a, a college football uh, media culture that's as crowded as it is, that, uh, look, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but nobody saw as much Taggart as I did at Florida State and as much Billy you know, that combination. So I was the one that had to do it. And I don't think there's definitely some similarities they both had some recruiting misses that were head scratching, you know, in terms of just the high school quarterbacks that they landed. Uh, neither one had a great top 10 class, although this, this, uh, 2024 class that Billy has, assuming it sticks together, will be very strong. I did think there was something to the idea of just how, rough and unorganized the Gators looked in Utah. Um, and that was definitely a hallmark of the, the Willie Taggart era where they had two uh, illegal formations on punts, which is something I had never seen in my life until they did it. Um, in the last game of his first year, uh, they'd only had 10 guys on offense. I remember Chauncey Gardner for the Gators saying, how you all think you can beat us? You ain't got 11 guys on the field. Um, <laughs> so there was just a lot of disarray. There was a lot of disarray with uh, the Knowles and then and we saw a little bit of it in Florida, but that was the first time that we had seen that under under Billy. So what I think the, the key is going to be, though, is progress. Um, because what really did Taggart and was two things. One is the fan base gave up on him. Um, they, they owed him a lot of money to leave. It was like eight, 17, 18 million. Um, and then there were the, the offsetting stuff. But they owed him a lot of money to leave, but they determined, Florida State did, 
it would have cost more to keep him because the fans had given up. They weren't showing up. They weren't buying merch. That was the thing. So we'll see how Florida reacts, um, you know, uh, this, this Saturday against McNeese in terms of the fans. And it's, you know, we'll see what the Tennessee game looks like. And if they were to lose that, which is perfectly uh, feasible, what happens there. Then the, the other part of this is progress. What the other thing that did Willie in was the fact that his 21st game, which was his last one, was a three-score loss to a mediocre Miami team. His first game was a three-score loss to a mediocre Virginia Tech team. <laughs> so it was eerily similar as what the athletic director David Coburn said. And, you know, game one and game twenty, and that was a problem. So what we'll see here is whether Billy can make some improvements because uh, obviously the first game was not good. But if he's able to hang with Tennessee or upset a Tennessee or you know beat Kentucky on the road or something like that, we can see some progress. Because the other comparison that you, that you could make um, is Mike Norvell, right? Uh, he was sure. four and ten through his first fourteen games. Sure, yeah, it's it's different because year one was COVID. The recruiting classes were different because he couldn't actually go see players because of COVID. So. Let's understand there's a little bit of difference there. But what kind of Norvell's saving grace in year two, he started 0-4, but then he won some some good, nice game. You know, last second field goal to beat Syracuse. Uh, fourth and 14 conversion to help beat Miami. Hanging with the Gators um, in Gainesville. There was some progress along the way. Uh, even just a close loss to Clemson. Right? They lost by 10, but they, it was really a one-score game. Those type of things made you think that, okay, the pro- it hasn't been good enough yet, but you can see it getting better. So I, that's the challenge for, for Billy going forward here is can he make progress the rest of the season to make the average Florida fan, the Bull Gator, whoever he is, think, okay, it's not where we want to be right now, but I can see brighter days ahead, and here's why. Biggest improvement could be from week one to week two in any sport, college football in particular. Um, are we selling the Utah Utes a little short? I know they didn't have – they're starting quarterback, but they did play a quarterback or two of them uh, that were very effective. And could we look down the road and say, you know, at the end of the day, Utah was a really good team and it was a very tough opening draw uh, for the Gators who haven't won a non-conference game on the road in some time. Yes, it's possible. Utah, Utah is a very good team. You know, I think I've got them up to 11th in the country and the, the only rankings that matter. Um, but they were without their starting quarterback. They were without their star tight end. They were without their all-conference defensive tackle. They were without their defensive lineman who had the most tackles at that position last year and, and at least four other key guys or starters. So oh, wow. you have to factor that in. And then, you know, coaches in Napier always say, you know, it's like a – Napier doesn't say this exact cliche, but a nameless, faceless opponent, right? It's not about them. It's about us. Okay. So let's look at that then. And Florida had the two procedural penalties and the three false starts and, and then the, the mind-boggling two number threes on a punt return. Um, there was a kickoff, or excuse me, a Utah field goal where it looked like they only had eight or nine guys on the field, uh, according to, you know, if you watch the telecast, maybe that they were out of frame somewhere, but I don't know why <laughs> they would have been. So th- that's the thing that jumped out to me. And, and you know, Billy is, is very big on his organization and his structure and all that stuff. And, and I understand why. But if you've got a zillion analysts and 50,000 polo shirts in the team <laughs> picture and you can't get enough guys on the field or w- one of them doesn't say, hey, we got two number threes out there. Uh, that's the stuff that, that really gets you. Um, and, and there's going to be, you know, depending on how this shakes out, uh, look, I don't think Billy's going to get fired unless they go two and ten, or there's some sort of scandal. I, I, I just don't see it. But there's going to be have have to be some major soul searching this off season in terms of things like doesn't have a dedicated on field assistant who focuses on special teams. Does that need to change? Um, the the offense has scored 14 points in the last two games, which is the lowest since I believe it was 1988 over a two game stretch. Billy's the play caller. Does that need to change? These are the types of questions that are going to be lead to some very uh, uncomfortable press conferences. We already had one, and to some uncomfortable soul searching at the uh, Hefner uh, football complex up there in Gainesville. Who's in charge of the numbers? Who's supposed to be watching the numbers? Come yeah, they on. need a number analyst. That's the problem. They need another guy. <laughs> That's it, man. Who's got the jerseys? Come on, let's go. One number per per uh, per uh, field there. All right. Um, well, they got the work cut out for them. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I was 
I will say this, and I watched most of the game. Very impressed with the University of South Florida. For the first game, you talked about what happened up in, you know, with uh, Florida and in, in Utah in the operation. Alex Golish's guys, they showed up to play. No, no. They showed up to win. I know, you know, the culture, everybody wants to change the culture, culture. Listen, culture is winning. Um, these guys were into it. This was a one-score game for the longest time. And then, of course, you know, there was a sack fumble scoop score there at the end that kind of made the score look worse than it really was. How impressed or were you as impressed as I was with the South Florida Bulls? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they didn't have – they had some of the week one stuff that you always have, and you have more of it with a with a new coach. But, yeah, I was very impressed. I, I thought they played hard. I thought they played pretty well. Um, I thought the offense was entertaining. Um, I thought the defense was certainly better than it has been in a while. I'm trying to think of the last time, but let's just say it's been a while since yeah. the defense looked that, looked that strong. And, uh, you know, Western Kentucky might not have the biggest name or the sexiest brand or whatever, but look, they're one of the best teams in conference USA. They're, they're one of the favorites, Austin Reed, the quarterback. I was surprised, honestly, that he stayed because I thought he might've had some interest from other schools, shall we say. So to, to hang with that team on the road in week one, that was a fine showing. I'm not being patronizing. No silver linings and a loss. Blah 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 blah. But no, that was that was a fine showing. It was an encouraging performance, um, and makes me think that they're they're on the right track here. Yeah, I I, I was very impressed. I, I think the first games can be chaotic. You don't exactly know how they're going to go. You're on the road at Western Kentucky, which is a decent team, and and uh, I I was impressed, especially with their offense, as you said. Okay, um, we maybe saved one of the best for last year. Oklahoma, but, Arkansas State. Oh, no, stop it, stop it. <laughs> I'm going to start the. I'm going to start. You know, firing coaches up there, and I don't fire anybody. But man, oh man, um, yeah, that was one of the uh, seventy-two slash eighty-point games that we're not going to talk about. But um, listen, this was one of the best college football games I've seen in a while. Um, Colorado with Deion Sanders and his crew goes into TCU and this is a back and forth sort of shootout. Um, but to think what, what Dion has done and you would know this better than I would to take, and I won't get the number right, but more than 65 players that are new there. Uh, I think they said they had three total returning starters that were actually playing, um, and and to with his son at quarterback, another son at defensive back, and and one of the best players I've ever seen uh, playing both ways, they stunned TCU, and it it did not look accidental. It did not look anything but but what it should have been, which was great execution, especially on offense, and a team that has completely changed under Deion Sanders. Yeah, what Dion has done, it's unprecedented, right? Like that's kind of a, a, a lame word, but I, I mean, the fact is it's unprecedented. It's true. There's, yeah. there's never, you know, running everybody off the way he did and bringing in so many newcomers and to play like that in week one, yeah. I don't think it's ever been done in the history of college football. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was a fantastic performance. Um, what, a couple of things that jumped out to me. Yeah. I mean, Travis Hunter is awesome, right? Like, Oh my God! Uh, they, if if we're if we're doing a week one Heisman, he's the guy. I don't know <laughs> yeah. that there's a number two. Um, so that's well, the first maybe thing. maybe maybe Dion's quarterback son. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> might, might be number two. Yeah, Michael Penix at Washington, a Tampa Bay yeah, Tech kid. He too, deserves yeah. a shout out. But yeah. anyway, um, so Travis Hunter's awesome. Okay, we, we kind of figured that. Um, yeah. But the two other things that jumped out: one was the discipline, because um, again, like we talked about with USF, a, a new new staff year yeah. or week one, you yeah. expect there to be some confusion. Oh no, we got the wrong guys out there. Oh, you're not in the right place. Um, there really wasn't that. I mean, again, a little bit, but it, it Colorado was certainly played with more discipline and fewer penalties than TCU, which I did not expect. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the lines, because. Um, I figured if you know if you look at the recruits and who all he brought in the, and the transfers and their rankings and what have you, I figured Colorado would have skill on the outside and and this this just this skill talent, but it didn't seem like the 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 big guys on defense and on offense that they had necessarily brought in a bunch of high profile guys that could that would click or work. But I thought they did. The, yep. Their offensive line did well. Their defensive line did well. 
I thought that's a, that's something that I didn't necessarily expect, and that was a pleasant surprise for me. At the end of the day, though, they still gave up what forty two points. I want to say somewhere in there, mm-hmm. um, and that's a lot of points against a TCU team that has a new quarterback uh, and other players. But um, let's face it, they were in the national championship game just a year ago. But what what would be your concern moving forward other than perhaps overconfidence? They've got Nebraska at home. I think they're going to take care of Nebraska personally, but then they, they kind of delve into the Pac-12 a little bit here coming up um, with a couple games against USC and Oregon. So where do you see them maybe being vulnerable? So first of all, let's talk about TCU for a second because mm-hmm. you're right in that it, it was a team that made the national title game last year. That's a thing that happened. Um, but this is a very new TCU team. Like right. all, you know, they lost Max Duggan, they, uh, Johnson, the receiver. They lost almost every major contributor. Um, the names that you would have known from last year's team, almost all of them are gone. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not trying to, to nitpick Dion's win or anything like that. But let's just call it what it is and, and acknowledge that this was not a national finalist team. TCU, um, TCU is good. They're, they're, they're solid, but. They're not a number three in the country or two in the country team. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, yeah, you're, you're right. The, the defense gave up 42 points. Some of that is that's TCU. They can do that on people. But I think there's also some potential issues there. Um, I, I think it's going to be – Nebraska is an interesting matchup just because it's very different. Um, Matt Rule obviously knows how to coach a team. Uh, you know, the, the, their performance against Minnesota wasn't good enough, but I think he can coach ball. And I think he's a more traditional kind of power run guy in a lot of ways than what Sonny Dykes is. So I think that's just going to be a very different matchup where, okay, we, we've seen the fact that Colorado can hang with an air raidy type team. Can they hang with somebody who's much more smash mouth? Can they match that physicality? And I don't know. Well, it hasn't happened yet. But that would be a, a concern that I have. The other thing is the Pac-12 is good. Like, I mean, look, they were 13-0 and because USC played the Week Zero game. That's the most, according to uh, the Pac-12 stats, that's the most or the best record through Week 1 of any conference since at least 1980. Oh so, uh, I mean, Oregon with, with Bo Nix, that's a very good team. It's a good uh, team, Col- yeah. Colorado plays them on September 23rd. Mm-hmm. After that is USC, yeah. which Caleb Williams is still absolutely amazing. I mean, he's incredible. Um, Arizona, Arizona State after that, Jaden Rashada, the former Gators uh, signee, had a couple touchdown passes in his debut. You got at UCLA, which looks pretty strong. They're kind of a fringe top 25 team to me. Oregon State is very good. Uh, you know, they're a top 20 team. At Utah, I saw them with my own eyes. I think Utah is a, a good team. And if somehow they were to kind of get past that, maybe they'd be looking at a Washington in the Pac-12 title game. And we're getting way ahead of ourselves there, but Washington has, like like I was talking about earlier, Michael Penix, who's as in, about as entertaining a player as there is in the country. So that's the concern that I would have there is, uh, you know, if he's able to get past Nebraska and Colorado State, I, I think they should win that one. There's a lot of tough outs and a lot of tough games in the Pac-12 that would make a, a Know, still make a bowl a challenge. It, it, is it possible they could go to a bowl? Yeah, absolutely. But that's what's keeping me from like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest team ever. They're going to win 10 games. Not with that do schedule. We, do you believe? Do you believe? I, I read that bull junk you wrote. Do, uh-huh. do you believe? Yeah, I'm not believing quite yet. I need, I need, I just need more, <laughs> I just need more data. You know, I, 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 I try not to make a lot of snap judgments in week one. Um, I did on Florida State because I saw enough last year, right? So I have a good amount of a good data set from yeah. the, the 13 games last year and almost everybody being back, plus what I saw with my own eyes. I, I don't have enough with, with, with Prime yet. I don't know. I don't have enough there. But he's, well, I can say at minimum, he surpassed my expectations in week one and makes this uh, Nebraska game one of the most interesting of the week. I uh, I kid because the guy who asked the question that he was uh, mm-hmm. then attacking was my good friend Ed Werder from ESPN. And what Ed was trying to say while he was asking him, I read that bulge. Ed said, I haven't written anything in 23 years. <laughs> I'm, I'm strictly, a, unless you read a tweet of mine a I, long I think time that's ago. What it, I think I heard that's what it was. It was a tweet. Yeah, which... but it was. But then, then Ed read the tweet. I heard him on Dan Patrick. And, he, and it really basically it just said that, you know, he, he was uh, – sort of a celebrity coach, which in fact 
I guess he is. I don't know. You know, uh, you know more than I would about sort of the acceptance or lack thereof in the coaching community of a Deion Sanders. I mean, I thought he proved himself from his coaching standpoint, um, you know, at Jackson State. But then you take a step up in class and you take over a program that's won one game. And and with all the transfer, you know, the, the you know, telling guys when they came in, we're coming, you know, and, and you, you know, you're going to have to, you know, move out because I got guys coming and my, my son's the quarterback. I mean, so much of that is is not the sound bites you hear around college football. Um, and yet it's 100% prime. But but there was something about after that game. I felt like I felt like we had just watched the Final Four or something because <laughs> it was one game. I mean, at the end of the day, you're one and zero, and now you got to go one and zero again this week. Correct. So let's let's get back to the Jackson State thing for just a second. I think in the coaching community, what he did. I mean, look, he, he turned Jackson State around, and that was sure. fantastic. However. He did it by getting the best players, which yes, yeah. that's 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 part of the game. I understand that, but but here's yeah. my point: is he was able at Jackson State to get a much higher level than the other teams that he was playing, yeah. and the question would be: could he do that at Colorado, where right? Okay, he can get uh, you know recruited at a high level. Is he going to have significantly better talent than USC ever? No, probably mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Oregon? No, probably not. Washington? No, probably not. So then it's going to be a matter of if your talent level is the same or a little bit less, do you have the coaching acumen, the X's and O's, or can you put together a staff with the coaching acumen and X's and O's so that my Jimmy's can beat your Joe's? That's It's that type of thing. And I think that's where the questions were about Prime. And certainly those, that was the questions I had um, because the, the talent gap he amassed with, with Jackson State and everybody else, that you're not going to have that at Colorado. You're just not. Um, so that was kind of that aspect of it. Um, and then I think the other thing, Dion's a disruptor that that's the, the kind of business buzzword, right? But mm-hmm. I, I, I hate that type of stuff, but it's absolutely true because he's doing things very, very differently. Um, in some ways I think that it's, it's the honesty is refreshing where I'm going to run you guys out. Um, good. At least call it like it is. Um, but it's also, I think a little bit off putting for some because in theory, these are still student athletes. Student is, is the first word, right? Because everybody's there to play school and they're there for their education. So if you're there for an education, should you be, should a coach be running everybody off like that? I think that's kind of the, mm-hmm. w- why that can rub some people the wrong way. Um, I mean, we can debate whether it's, there's a racial aspect to it as well. I don't feel comfortable going there. Just, I, I just don't, I don't have any, any, insider major thoughts on that but i think dion dion has suggested as much and i'm not going to tell him he's wrong but i think it's just the fact that the way he came up was so different than most people um because he, he wasn't a ga here or a quarterbacks coach at whatever he just did it a different way and then the fact that he's doing it so differently and telling you how he's doing it so differently and look look at a uh at a Deion Sanders press conference and compare that to what Billy Napier says, right? <laughs> it's a little bit different. And yeah. in some ways it's refreshing, but I, I, I'm sure that uh, that confidence or cockiness or arrogance or whatever you want to call it um, can rub some people the wrong way when at the end of the day, he's 1-0 and and beat a TCU team that might finish 7-5. and He's got leaders and dogs, not captains. So um, there's that. But uh, Deion Sanders... In his own career, um, both, I mean, you think about how he dominated in college football and what he was about at Florida State prime time. And then playing as many games as he did in, in Major League Baseball while playing for the Atlanta Falcons. And, and then, of course, winning Super Bowls in Dallas, San Francisco. He's pretty much dominated anywhere he's been. It's just yep. it's just sort of who he is, man. Like whatever he wants to try next. And and I will submit to you, and we can have a discussion with this later at another time. When his son is ready for the NFL, he'll be one of those lottery picks himself at quarterback. I think Deion Sanders will get, and probably before that, lots of opportunities to go to the NFL if he wants to try that as well. Coaching, I mean. Yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see if this continues. Again, it's mm-hmm. one game, but sure. if this continues, where does Dion end up? 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody thinks he's going to be at Colorado for 12 years, no. right? No. E- either this was the sign of, of great things and he's going to win a bunch of games and get hired by Florida, Florida State, you know, Georgia Tech, I don't know, whoever it is. Um, or it'll end up going poorly at some point and he'll be out in three years. Or, yeah, the NFL guy certainly think that could be a possibility too. I, I mean, he, he knows a thing or two about what it takes to succeed at that level. I, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Um, and it's just a matter of if, if he can show the the coaching chops necessary. Um, cause, cause there obviously it's a lot more about schematics because you're not recruiting, right? You're, you're, you got the draft and you got free agency. It doesn't matter how compelling you are in the living room with a 17 year old's parents. And what are you going to pay me? Yeah, it's he is definitely going to listen to the zeros at the end of the uh, of the decimal. So that's that's going to be fun. All right, um, we've got some games coming up this week, and uh, I'll just kind of run through a couple of them here uh, quickly. Ole Miss and Tulane. Tulane, pretty good football team, and of course, Lane Kiffin's always got his Ole Miss Rebels ready. So, what do you like about this battle down south? Yeah, it's a top 25 matchup. You know, <laughs> Ole Miss uh, scored a bunch of points, 70 or 80 or whatever it was, against some Humpty Dumpty. Uh, but Tulane had one of the better showings of the weekend um, with a big uh, performance, a big win over a South Alabama team that's one of the best mid-majors. So I was a little bit unsure about what Tulane would be um, after you know the breakthrough 12-win season in the Cotton Bowl last year and, and then losing Tajay Spears, their All-American running back. So... So far, so good. So I think that's going to be one of the more intriguing and, and certainly entertaining games of the weekend. A lot of points there. No doubt. All right. Always interesting. Steve Sarkeesian brings his Texas Longhorns back to Alabama. What did you make of uh, what was sort of a preseason game for the Crimson Tide and their new quarterback? And how do you think this one's going to go? Yeah, I, I liked Milrow. Um, he played better than I expected. I mean, we know he was a really good athlete from what we were able to see last year, but threw the ball pretty well. Um, maybe Saban was kind of, you know, maybe he's got something up his sleeve there with with a quarterback that's better than certainly I expected. Um, but I didn't make a ton of it just because they beat Middle Tennessee yeah, and, sure. and as they should, nor did I make a lot of Texas kicking the crap out of Rice. Um, so this is, you know, this is a marquee helmet brand kind of game. And, and uh, it was a very entertaining one uh, last year and, and uh, very competitive. And I think this one, this will be uh, as well in, in Tuscaloosa. All right, my maybe my favorite one of my favorite games of the weekend because I, I'm always interested in what is going to happen next to Jimbo Fisher and his Texas A&M Aggies uh, and how that's going to go. They are at Miami, which had a pretty good opening week. Um, Aggies need to win a game like this here along the way sometime, don't they? They do, and and honestly, so does Mario Cristobal and the staff uh, mm-hmm. at, at Miami. That's the game I'm going to be at, and I'm intrigued by it because I have no freaking idea what's going to happen. <laughs> Zero. I do not have a read on Texas A&M after, after week one or, or really ever because they have so much talent, but they've underachieved. And then you've yeah. got you know uh, Jimbo Fisher, Britton, and Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator. That could go really well. It could go very disastrously. Um, we don't know after one game, but if it's a pressure situation, what are we going to call on third and six with two minutes to go, you know, try, driving to try and win the game? That could be very dicey. And Miami, I also never have any idea what to think of them. Um, seems like when I think they're going to do well, they, they go poorly and, and, and vice versa. But uh, they passed their first test against the other Miami on on Friday night. And I thought uh, Colby Young, the receiver, was, was somebody who kind of jumped out to me. I was watching at the uh, gate C-37 or whatever in Austin on my way back from, from Utah. Um, but I thought they had a little more skill than they had last year. And I'm curious to see what that what it looks like when those two get together because it's uh, somebody's got to win and, and both teams really need one to kind of show that things are going in the right direction. He pulled double duty last week, three airplanes all the way to Utah, then went and watched Florida State and LSU battle in his uh, drive up to Orlando. And now it's down to Miami from Matt Baker. If you want to follow him, do so on the Tampa Bay Times, tampabay.com, best college football writer in the land. Appreciate you, Matt. Thanks a lot. Happy uh, and safe travels, buddy. All right. Thanks, Rick. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, of course, rallied in their series to take that over the Red Sox. How about Tyler Glass now? Was dealing. He had, what was it, Steve, 14 strikeouts? Including six in a row at one point. Wow. Which I believe he's the first race pitcher now to have multiple strikeouts of games of 14 or more. That's clutch, man. And he, he, of course, with all the injuries, is, uh, you know, slowly developing himself into really what would be the ace of the staff, I think. Well, they need Um, him with McClanahan out, so. Yeah, they're going to have to have him, uh, you know, extend and pitch this way throughout the playoffs. But yeah, that six strikeouts in a row at one point, it was it was really impressive. Uh it was funny because he had struck out five guys in a row. I don't know if you saw this exchange, but they, they must have told Pinto uh to go out and kind of talk to him. You know, because he was at a he was right around a hundred pitches or so. It was clearly gonna be his last hitter. And and he started out there and Glassnell looked at him like, Did a ball get loose somewhere? Like, why are you coming out here now? <laughs> I've just struck out five straight batters. I'm in a zone. Don't walk out here, man. Just don't do it. It was hysterical. It was like, and 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 really, Pinto was like, "Hey, man, they hey, man. told me to do it." Yeah, I'm just following orders, man. <laughs> you know, the guy over there in the dugout, he told me he gave me the talk yeah. sign. I didn't so, order the code red. That guy did. That's right. <laughs> um, we follow orders, or pitchers get hit. It's as simple as that, you know. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a funny moment, and it, and it showed just you know how locked in Tyler Glass now was. It's like, man, don't come out here. Don't you don't you get up from under? So it was fun, um, and then hey, not for nothing. But guess what's back tonight? Dun, dun, bum, dun, bum, dun. Bum, bum, bum. The National Football League presents the Detroit Lions at the defending Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, with this man, Patrick Mahomes. You guys are probably, those of you that are listening, way too young to remember Howard Cosell. Yeah, but they do know that we're waiting all day for Thursday night. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Thank you very much, Carrie Underwood. Um, It is an NBC game. Or no, is it? uh, It should be NBC. NBC NBC always gets the first one. Yep. They get the first one. Okay. Because usually Thursday night is now uh, streaming, right? That's prime. Uh, It's Amazon during the the season. season, But yeah, the opening game is always NBC. That's right. So, yeah, we'll be waiting all day, and we've been waiting all year uh, for the start of the National Football League. With this man, Harold Carmichael, the angular one. No, that was Philadelphia. Um, but uh, here's one thing. Are you, as, are you as bullish on the Lions as everybody else seems to be? I know they finished strong last year. And I think Jared Goff has really turned into a really fine quarterback, to be honest with you. But are we thinking they're going to go out there and upset the Kansas City Chiefs? That's not going to happen, right? I don't think they upset the Chiefs, but you look at their division. It's winnable. Yeah, I mean, you know, they did very well last year. Green mm-hmm. Bay doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. They went up and beat Aaron Rodgers yeah. in Green Bay. I don't. Last year. I don't think Chicago's is is at their level. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be better than last year, but Minnesota can give them a good run. Yeah, but I mean, you know, can Detroit win that division? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Dan Campbell. He's perfect for that franchise. Yeah, that's true. In, in that city, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the first time in years, there's hope of, you know, more than just you know a winning record success in Detroit. Well, the playoffs, playoffs. I mean, they they have not been there for a minute now. Mm-hmm. I th- they they, really... they might be the longest stretch without. Certainly without a win, because I, I think the last time I, I could be wrong about this, but I know when when uh, you know many years ago when the when the Bucks finally had a pl- home playoff yeah. game, it was against Barry Sanders in Detroit, and they beat them here. Yeah. Actually, the Jets have, the Jets haven't been since twenty eleven. Okay, and then right. the Broncos, then the Lions. So they're the third okay. longest. The, think about that, the Broncos. My God, mm-hmm. that's that's hard to believe that it's been that long since the Broncos have been in the postseason. Since Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. Omaha, yeah, he'll be back too. By the way, 
Yeah, the, Man- the Manning cast coming back for week one. Tom Brady. Yeah. Is he just there for week one or is he there for well, I don't for know if he's a he guest, was. but he did say, quote, I guess I'll just have to go back and play football. Or, or I'm paraphrasing there. but It was like him and a dog in the waiting room. <laughs> uh, can I just say that I think the way things are going, like every commercial should end with Tom Brady. Well, I mean, he like, just uh, he now he's an advisor for what Delta Airlines. Now, now he's an advisor for Delta Airlines. Yeah, and he'll be and used in marketing. Just, it said, which means he'll be in commercials, but not just commercials. I mean, they, you know, he's gonna he's a team builder, and they had the uh, the CEO or the president or whatever the hell he is, the the he, chief Hanso mm-hmm. was on there with Tom and talking about, you know, and and, and Tom, you know, well, you got to build a team, and you know, great teams do this and. You know, there's the greatest winner of all time. He knows he knows what it was like. And um, shoot, man, if uh, you know what, if if Tom Brady came walking through your call center, you you'd start perking up a little bit. Um, so I'm glad he I'm glad he's gonna have income. I was worried that he didn't have enough jobs, uh, that he didn't have enough endorsements. So it's good that Delta maybe they work something out to where he can fly free somewhere once in a while. That would never happen. He would never fly commercial. But um, it's an interesting pairing, Delta and, and Brady. Um, but that's, you know, as as I think his agent once told me, he's like, you have no idea the amount of opportunities that this guy gets because he probably turns, you know, 98% of them down. But, uh, uh, but certainly uh, we'll be hearing from Tom Brady at least on the television, if not, uh, not somewhere else. All right, so uh, Bucks back in action. We got a treat, I think, for you tomorrow, Steve. And I haven't. Well, I guess we. I guess it should work. We haven't listened to it yet. But, yeah, you haven't sent me the audio yet. Yeah, that's true. But if it works, and it did with Todd Bowles, oh, you know, we got a lot of good feedback from that. By the way, I think people enjoyed uh, the conversation that uh, that we posted on Todd Bowles. It's refreshing more- to hear an honest conversation. It was. wasn't he? Wasn't he brutally? It wasn't coach to- speak. It was no. Here's here's what happened. Here's the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, yeah. you know, here's what we did well. Here's what we didn't do well. Here's right. what we're doing and different. I I was it was, I was refreshing to How hear. about him saying I was yeah. handcuffed? Like Absolutely. Was, yeah. You don't get that from head coaches, and and you don't get, um, you know, when he said we were gassed, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever verb he used, but it was basically we were done. Like when we got to the postseason, we had guys, we they couldn't practice. You know, we didn't have anybody that could practice, so. Um, that's why they changed the makeup of their team. And, um, and I will say this, if you enjoyed Todd Bowles and if it works for us, you're going to really enjoy Baker Mayfield's interview that's coming up and that'll get you ready for uh, bucks football, uh, with, uh, the bucks going out to Minnesota on Sunday that Baker Mayfield has always had a giant chip on his shoulder, which makes him absolutely perfect for this situation. This this guy and that chip is exactly what the Bucks need right about now uh, because they're going to have to do it a different way than they've ever done it before. And so I think Baker is a is a good fit. Now we'll see, you know, if he's able to stay in the lineup uh, the first four weeks. They're going to buy week five. Kyle Trask is certainly waiting in the wings, so he's going to have to play well early. But, yeah, chance to uh, sit down and talk with Baker Mayfield, much the way I was able to talk to uh, Todd Bowles. So, Look forward to that on Friday, and uh, we'll have other things, of course, whatever's going on around Tampa Bay. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Strato, the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.